Lately, I've been dealing with adrenal fatigue, which really messes with your hormones. And recently, I found something called modern fertility. Even though I'm trying to not get pregnant, I know that hormonal health has so much to do with your overall health. I got insight into how many eggs I have, my hormone levels, and all of my reproductive red flags. The results went in depth into what every hormone meant. And I was also able to talk one-on-one -on -one with a fertility nurse to review my results and options for my next steps of getting my hormones on track. Yes, and I know traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash magic hour, you can get $20 off your test. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds of thousands of dollars it would cost at your doctor's office. That's freaking awesome, you guys. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash magic hour, spelled M-A-J-I-C. H-O-U-R. That's modernfertility.com slash magic hour. This is part two. If you missed part one of this episode, you can find it in our podcast library now. If you're all caught up, welcome back. That's why I love your work so much, Peter, is because I think you, Thank you are an amazing bridge for people who mm -hmm. are coming from this culture we, we all grew up in, probably of we're afraid of the woo-woo world. You know, we're afraid of yeah. the spiritual ideas. And so we can come at it with the, your work through uh, that logical physics-based place. But it really, yes. it does all <laughs> spiral down to a real spiritual place. It's just it is, yeah. that word for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm a spiritual philosopher just disguised as a guy's guy who loves to play <laughs> sports and, you know, has a pretty decent way of articulating things and making the profound palatable for people. Mm -hmm. That's really what's going mm -hmm. on. But thank you for yeah. sharing that. <laughs> it's powerful stuff. I did want to ask you, I think you spoke to a lot of this, but maybe just to finish fleshing it out, what are the six stages of disease? Oh, yeah. From Ayurveda, it's one of my favorite components. It's called samprapti is the process. So the first stage is accumulation. So when we look at somebody's dosha, vata, pitta, kapha, and people can find a wealth of information online mm -hmm. if they were to search anything about Ayurveda. And we've had Sahara Rose on, so anyone can go oh. back and reference that episode also. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and I do some work with a company called Banyan Botanicals, and so they provide products. Um, I don't get paid anything for this. I'm not selling anything, but they do have great resources. So mm -hmm. you can go to Banyan Botanicals, and they have a quiz you can take. They have mm -hmm. information about each of the doshas. So I just like to push people there so that they can get educated if they want. So when we talk about the first stage accumulation, what we're normally speaking to is there's too much vata, which is really air, too much pitta, which is fire, or too much kapha which is sort of a combination of earth and water. Mm. So um, what, what that means is you get too much of that element in your system. So let's take pizza, fire. That's so me, you, I think. That's you predominantly, yes, um, and myself also. So if you get too much fire, that can be through stress. You know, think about there's too much heat in your system because you're aggravated. You've got too much spicy food, too much alcohol, which is very heating. Mm -hmm. So anything like that becomes um, heat aggravating, which is the second stage. So if you accumulate too much of one thing, now it becomes an aggravation. 
what does that look like? Well, if it's the fire, maybe you've got a little bit of heartburn, acid reflux, you know, uh, maybe you get like a little bit of uh, agitation more than normal emotionally. And then the third stage is spread. So think about it. If you've got anything that accumulates, it's going to spread at some point, right? You could take your closet, right? <laughs> you accumulate too many clothes. Now it's aggravating. Why? Because I can't freaking find what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. right? But then they start to spread and it spills out into your bedroom or whatever it is. So that's why I love the principles of physics. But we're, in Ayurveda, we're talking about the doshas. So too much fire, it spreads, it goes through your bloodstream. And then the fourth stage is it becomes localized. So the heat that built up because of your di it's usually associated with digestion, became an aggravant. It started to spread systemically throughout your whole body, and then it found a, it localized somewhere. So let's just say, you know, Jade, I don't know if you're a dancer or something, and you hurt your knee when you were young, or well, maybe that heat is like, oh, here we've lost some integrity in the body. This is a great place for the excess to hang out, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's. I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but the homeless don't hang out in the nicest areas. They find somewhere where it's dark and seedy and, you, you know, they can just, they can live and camp out on it the street. They won't be bothered, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's sort of where there's an absence of integrity, meaning where things don't work smoothly or in a harmonious way, well, mm -hmm. same with our body, right? So the excess that spread found a nice place, and then the fifth stage is it becomes manifest as a disease there. So that, in the heat, it might become could become a rash, it could become some sort of arthritis where there's like an inflammation in the joint. And then the final stage in the sixth stage is it becomes diversified. So the excess to begin with aggravates an area, but then it actually alters the areas, the diversification. So it could become rheumatoid arthritis where now you're actually altering the tissue structure itself, right? Having too much acid or heat in your stomach isn't altering the stomach, it's just excess and then you feel the byproducts of that. So once you get to stage five or six, it's very difficult to reverse. But why I love the system is because if you understand that the first stage of disease is accumulation, stop getting so much shit in your life. <laughs> so it's in your body, yeah. in your mind, in your house, whatever it is. This is why cleansing mm -hmm. feels good to people. Because mm -hmm. what are you doing? You're letting go, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just such a beautiful system as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah, like Kim John Payne um, talks about how your your exterior world represents your interior world. Yeah, um, clutter, you know, externally is invariably a reflection of the yeah. clutter that people have, or the desire for more, which you know, as Mercedes is saying, like this is invariably that incessant desire to try and fill a black hole that can't be filled. Mm -hmm. This is infomercials, you know, marketers know this about humans because mm -hmm. what do they say? Wait, there's more. Mm -hmm. What is that appealing to? It's appealing yeah. to the unsatiable aspect of the ego, mm -hmm. right? Everyone so, oh, there's more. Yeah. yeah. It's so easy now with right the now. Amazon app on our phone. Right. Um, <laughs> all the hoarding going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, directly to that. And then on every level to look at that, right? So yeah. what, I'm, mm -hmm. what I'm doing is I'm unpacking and dissolving what's been accumulated as emotional and psychological, yeah. you know, dis-ease. So mm -hmm. it's like once you free that up, it's like, oh, my God, I'm just, mm. there's lightness. People can breathe, you know, there's mm. nothing wrong. You know, freedom if you're into yeah. that. <laughs> you said that um, people can't be held accountable for that which they are oblivious to. And I love this compassionate perspective. And I, I would love yeah. for you to elaborate on that. Something um, that I'm trying to apply that to is in Austin, we have a huge um, ho homelessness problem. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it almost feels like a zombie land in certain areas. But right. 
I get very triggered and I'm still uncovering this. I get very triggered when someone refers to a homeless person as a bum or says like, oh, I would never beg. And as a teenager, I was a homeless person who did beg on the street. So I'm sure that that's something I need to uncover and figure out. But I'm trying to apply what you say about um, not holding people accountable to what they're oblivious to. But could you just maybe elaborate a little bit on it? Uh, yeah, so it works in both cases there, right? The, the, the homeless person and the person judging them or calling them a bum, right? You mm-hmm. can apply it to both, which is, mm-hmm. you know, in, in I'm not religious. Uh, I like to transcend all and embrace everybody. But like, you know, I like to pull tenants and Jesus said, you know, forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. Right. So that sort of speaks to the same energy of compassion and love, which is people are functioning from within the constraints of their own awareness. Right. So Mm -hmm. the person who's saying, look at those bums is equally confined just as the person they're judging. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we can bring compassion to both, then that allows us to see that we can see beyond what they can see, not in a superior way, but that we have a greater sense of acceptance. You've had the literal experience of what it means to be on the street and have to beg. Mm-hmm. So you have an immediate association or compassion for the homeless person, mm-hmm. which then creates a little bit of judgment towards the person who doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. But if you understand that, that would be like, you know, judging a child for not understanding, you know, arithmetic when they're three, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, but they, don't know yet right so the person judging for your evolution jade is you know i'm contributing something to you here is that maybe you have the opportunity if if you wanted to share yourself and educate that person as to why that might be a derogatory way to speak to about another human because Mm -hmm. you were there and that might just up level their awareness and their compassion you see, yeah. this is where we learn from each other. So I need to work on my articulation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to speak the way you do because I typically will just be like, he is you, hey, you are hey. him. We are all God. <laughs> <laughs> He's God in one of his myriad of disguises. Yeah. And then they don't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So, so one, to give you a little like coaching, maybe I could say one way you can always approach it is the very simple question is, can I share something with you? Mm. You know, and Mm -hmm. immediately people are going to want to know because we're curious because again, we want to know more. So, but in Mm -hmm. saying that you open that person up to listen to something that you could contribute. You say, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to look at homeless people the same. And then until I was homeless and I can Mm -hmm. tell you that, you know, it's a very difficult place to be. And just maybe you could have a slightly different perspective because we, you don't know what that person's been through, right? So that yeah. would be your opportunity to contribute to them without judgment, without making them wrong, because this is where it gets really slippery. And I know you're willing to listen because you do the work. Them calling that person a bum is no different than the way you're looking at them for saying Right. right. And I'm judging them for judging another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm being, a, yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, but but good for you for taking it on the chin, right? So just to notice it, right? So that's really the perpetuation of harm and hostility in society, even though it's not physical, energetic, it's still the same. You know, if you're making somebody wrong for something, you're making them wrong for something, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that we can breed more compassion is to notice, wow, you're just hurt because you were there. And maybe you have an opportunity to share and contribute to somebody's awareness through your own experience so that they can up-level their sense of compassion and love for everybody. And that the person who's homeless, like going back to what I said about like abuse is the absence of love, I feel, then we don't know to what degree that person Mm -hmm. who's on the street right now 
doesn't even know what love looks like mm-hmm. because yeah. their dad was in prison, their mom was a crack addict, and you know they were a scared kid. You know, Mercedes, you you look beautiful, you look like you're put together, but you went through your version of quote unquote harm and mm-hmm. abuse that perhaps on the scale was you know five out of ten, and maybe the homeless person was a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not all that different really just subtle difference in circumstance that could have made us either the person in the beautiful castle or the person who's you know sleeping on the streets right Mm -hmm. the subtleties of how we are brought up the subtleties of how we learn different languages of love of survival um i I was watching this video on um, youtube vimeo called step inside the circle and if you haven't seen it, please watch it and all your viewers. It is so profound because it's this incredible woman who goes into prisons mm. and they go out into the yard and they have all of the inmates in this huge circle and she just asks a series of questions. And if it's a yes, you step inside the circle and she starts with like, you know, mm. were you raised by one parent? You know, like almost everybody like steps in. Were you ever, you know, hit, you know, blah, blah. And so she's going through this progressive form yeah. of abuse And it is so powerful to see how the majority, like 99% of the inmates had so many forms of what are we calling abuse, right? So it's really not that they're bad people, but they just were never taught the language of love. And they just have a further way to climb out. Yeah. 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 uh, And that that breaks my heart because I'm such a softie. But, you know, it's like especially kids. Like you look at the innocence of a child, whether it's a photo or a friend of yours or a niece or a nephew, you know, and they are just so, as I said earlier, vulnerable, you Mm -hmm. know. And it just all I want for that kid to experience is the sanctity of being held and being loved. And Mm -hmm. I know that's not that's maybe ideal because parents are doing the best they can, Mm -hmm. right? So. Mm You know, can't uh, can't be held accountable for that which you're oblivious to. Applies to parents too, so there's no Mm -hmm. judgment. But I hope that as we continue to evolve, that as parents do have kids, they've done the work so that that kid experiences what it is to be in a home that feels like a home, not like a prison. Yes, that's something I I think about a lot too. Uh, One of my dreams is to speak at schools about bullying and that Mm -hmm. circle. I had never heard about that circle video, but I had something kind of in my head about um, how I would present uh, something similar. I'm just still trying to figure out how, when I was Miss San Antonio, I could go speak at whatever school because I would just say I'm Miss San Antonio, but now like they don't just let anybody, you know, come speak at schools, especially now with the shootings and everything. So I'm trying to figure out a platform for that. Um, That's cool though. But watch the video. I think you'll get a lot from it. Yeah. We'll post it in the show notes as well. Um, Could you also share your story about the smoker who asked you how you would help him? It's one of my favorite stories. Oh yeah. Uh, I was just in Arizona. I was working with one of my golf pros and um, at the end of the day, just relaxing in the hot tub and this couple and their baby got in and the mom was kind of, taking care of the, the young kid. And so the dad just engaged in conversation, the usual like, oh, you're on vacation. What are you doing here? And I explained I was uh, here for a golf tournament. And he said, oh, that's cool. Uh, you playing? I said, no, no, I'm just working with a pro. He said, oh, that's, you're like his caddy. I said, well, you know, no, maybe his mental <laughs> caddy. <laughs> Carrying his mental baggage. And, uh, and so he was really fascinated by that. He said, wow. And his first question was, how would you help me stop smoking? And I said, I wouldn't. And so, you know, because I live in such a unique world where I don't make anything wrong, right? So he was a bit confused. He's like, you, 
because in his world, there's everything wrong with smoking, right? It's, it's known, smoking's bad. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, there's nothing wrong with smoking. Smoking's smoking. And now he's even more confused. And I said, well, I'm not denying that smoking has impacts, right? It affects your lungs, depending on the strength of your constitution. If you're built like an ox, you might make it to 100. If you've got a fragile system, you know, you're probably going to develop lung cancer or something, right? Mm-hmm. So smoking, based again on physics, has its impact depending on who you are. But I could tell from him that there was a lot of judgment around it. So I said, let me put it this way. I said, if you were okay with smoking, you didn't judge smoking, you didn't think smoking was bad, you didn't judge yourself for smoking, how would you feel? His shoulders dropped like two inches. He's like, oh my God, I feel so relieved. And I said, when you feel that relieved, do you need a cigarette? And, you know, he just got it, right? I said, so you don't judge smoking, you judge yourself. Mm -hmm. In self-judgment, you create dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Right, which is what we've been talking about. He created a sense of suffering based on his own internal angst about who he was, not enough, whatever it is. And then he found relief in cigarettes. <laughs> so the mm-hmm. cigarettes were the byproducts of his suffering. But once we got into a place of deep acceptance, aka not judging yourself, he found relief. You don't need any substance when you're in a state of freedom or relief. So yeah. that's, uh, that was that story. And then he came running up to me like a little boy two, two days later. He saw me in the, in the lobby and he's like, I haven't even had a cigarette. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's really kind of powerful back, stuff. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so love can- that, that you don't make anything bad because <clears throat> I feel like I get obsessed with anyone that I love. I try to like, I, uh, me and Mercedes are both magicians. So I'm like always trying to help them types. Mm-hmm. be healthier and, uh-huh. uh, limit screen time and do all of those things. And I, I really need to balance yeah. it with like the lover control. <laughs> yeah. But what's the undercurrent for that? What's, what's the, lover. Sub- yeah. What's the subtext for that? Oh, the sub so the archetype magician well, is, but, but, but what's the know. subtext of that behavior? Control and fear. Yeah. But look um, at it energetically. Yeah. If you're feeling the need to do that and help, like there's a couple of things at work, right? So what, let's look at them. What are the, what's the underlying current of that sort of behavioral adaptation towards people? What's the attention? What's the agenda? And what's the implication? Um, I feel like it comes from a place of love, but it is, it is like this feeling of fixing. Yes, like- exactly. So that, that, they're, they're, they're sort of concurrent, right? So the intention mm-hmm. is pure. You both care, you love your loved ones or friends or whoever you're saying it to. Mm-hmm. But the actual behavior is manipulative. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a conflict. Mm-hmm. So you're well-intended, but the way you're doing it has got a little demand. It's got pressure. It's got implication of like that what they're doing is wrong. That's what they're going to hear. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to feel. And everyone's going to deflect that or defend it or react to it. Mm -hmm. So again, similar to what I was saying, when you could approach the person calling the homeless person a bum, you could say, can I make a suggestion? Mm. So don't make it about them, make it about you. So rather than saying, I want you to limit your screen time, you could say something like, can I share something with you? And of course they're going to say, yeah. And say, God, I, I get so worried and I get so concerned about like when you use the screen too much, Mm. right. Or you're on devices, Mm -hmm. like I, I, how can I, like, can you help me with that? Like, cause I, I just, I get concerned about your eyes or your brain or like, you see, you're talking about yourself, not like, yeah. you should, cause it's got the should energy mm-hmm. otherwise. Right. I know. So that would be one 
way to share how much you care about them versus mm-hmm. telling people what to do. Or mm-hmm. you could also counteract it by recognizing that everybody's doing what they're doing and then mm-hmm. where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and of course you can share, but sharing is very different than instructing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't instruct people what to do. I just don't. You know, I could see all sorts of things walking through an airport or, you know, just around a promenade anywhere down here in Los Angeles. I could see all sorts of manner. But if I went up to somebody and said, hey, I'm reading your energy, and blah, they, they, you know, they could punch me, they tell me to go F myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unless somebody invites you into their home, their psychological home, then it's going to be very difficult to make any lasting change. Yeah. Shooting all over people, yeah. Yeah. Respecting where they're at on their journey and just being the light, being the light. Yeah, absolutely. Lead by example. Mm -hmm. I mean, inspire people. Don't instruct is what I Mm. I just I I want to be a form of inspiration. I don't want Mm -hmm. to tell people how to live their life. If they're inspired by the way I live, awesome. I'm happy to share and help. And if we're bothered by how they're living, then that's something going on in us, not in them. That's for you to look at, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you kind of started breaking it down here, but can you explain how you reverse engineer um, people's symptoms? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just understanding, again, that process of physics, right? So if somebody's got a control issue, it's like, well, why do they have a control issue? They're only going to control things if they have fear. Well, why do they have fear? Because at some level, similar to what you shared about being around your stepmom, they've been indoctrinated with this idea that they're not going to be okay, they're not safe, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. So that would be the reverse engineer is look at the behavior and the outcome, understand what did that, what was the precursor to that. Every outcome has got the precursor of whatever actions people took, right? So if you understand, okay, well, what drove the action? Why did did they do what they did? So then you can see, okay, well, what is the mindset that drove the action, which is more conscious usually? And then we want to look at the deeper level, which is my forte, which is, okay, what is beneath the conscious thought and emotion that created the action that gave rise to the outcome, right? So that's, does that Makes it, I mean, I do it so mm-hmm. naturally and so quickly. I know it's a lot to digest. Yeah. But, but if you can understand that all outcome is a byproduct mm-hmm. of action, all action is a byproduct mm-hmm. of a combination of thoughts and feelings, and thoughts and feelings or emotions are a byproduct of the world you live in at the subconscious level. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what I can see when I, somebody's telling me they struggle with whatever they're struggling with. What, so, how, yeah, so as I, an example, as an example, would you like, can you reverse engineer maybe how Mercedes and I both struggle with time management and we sometimes need to control our lives, which both hand in hand cause us to be spread very thin. Like we both pile on too much and I'm constantly rushing um, to where people around me will be like, what, why are you in such a hurry? Um, well, so you tell me first before I give my insights because you're both smart. So, you know, rather than me sitting here, like tell me what you're aware of about that kind of behavior about who you are that has you be in a hurry? Uh, For me, it's a matter of feeling like I need to be in control. So it's back to that tension, uh, that fear of chaos, that fear of not being in control, the fear of um, not being prepared. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Jade? Yeah, I think for me, um, in my childhood, there was no control or routine or rhythm. And I would go to friend's house where like dinner was always on the table at six. And so now I think I overstructure and um, am a bit like obsessed with rhythm and to where I'm like, okay, we got to be this time, this time, this time. And it's, um, it's a sense of 
trying to give my kids what I didn't have a predictability, but it's, yeah. it's uh, over the top. Yeah. Cause the energy is still the same. So now in both cases, there's going to be a similarity. So what are you both actually saying? What's the concern? What's the underlying fear? I won't be enough if I don't show up. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a worthiness thing or like I'm uh, trying to prove something about my character or myself. Yeah, there's definitely an element of like, um, you know, trying to increase your stock or your value by showing up in a certain way. But it's not really the driving force that I feel. I think you actually both have the same. So look a little deeper, Jay, what do you see in the need to have things a certain way? What, what's the actual implication? What are you saying if, you know, things have to be a certain way, what is the concern? Then I'm not okay with what is. Yeah, so that's part of it, but it's a little bit more insidious than that. So you're just, just look at, okay, let's just say you don't have dinner at six, mm-hmm. right? You don't stick to your perfect schedule. What, is, what, what, what are you saying about that? That it's the, I guess the feeling that I get is that like, um, it really does feel like everything's going to fall apart for some reason. Yeah. Great. Um, and I pile on so much to almost make it feel rushed. Yeah. So almost like I like, it's like, that's how my brain is used to. So it's addicted to that. Um, yeah. And it is an addiction. It is Mm -hmm. an addiction, right? So if everything's going to fall apart, put that in lay terms. Like if everything falls apart, what is, what's going to happen to you? I die. Yeah. It's a life or death thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but like, you know, for me, it's my kids, my kids will have trauma. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so let's just look at it at a big broad stroke, like die, kids are going to have trauma. Well, how would we say that in the term, in the way that we relate to our future? Is everything going to work out? No. Yeah. It will. No, I mean, it will, but no, that's not the way you're relating to right. it. So what's mm-hmm. the antithesis of that? Mm-hmm. If it's not going to work out, what are you actually saying? If you don't have dinner at six and blah, 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 and if they have too much device time, what are you saying? What's the fear? I'm not enough. Mm, that's part of it, but that's not the one relate. That's now, right? If I'm not enough, I'm not enough now. It's almost believing that we have control over all of that when we really don't. But I know you don't, and I'm just trying to help you find so much freedom right now. <laughs> so you can fucking have dinner at six or nine and who gives a shit? <laughs> but the implication that you think that you have to have dinner at a certain time, again, just mm-hmm. that as one example, mm-hmm. or that Mercedes thinks she has to control things or look a certain way or have blah, blah, blah. The implication underneath, there's something at stake where you're saying, if things don't happen that way, I'm what? And it's not enough. It's much more to do with what Mercedes said, life or death. Life or death, right? Life good. Death means I'm not what? Living? Not alive. Yeah, yeah no, but if, I, so if you're not alive, you're going to be fine. But the implication around you, if you're scared about the future, what do you say? That you're not what? I'm trying to safe. not... You're not safe for sure, but it's, that's a now moment, right? I feel like it's, we're in your remedial class. <laughs> We're we're doing the beginner's version right now. (laughs) This is tough because it's a blind spot, right? It's a real blind spot. So the concern for things being the way you think they have to be and if they're not, like what does that mean? If it's not dinner at six, then you said it, 
Jade, things are going to fall apart. If things fall apart, what's the implication? I'm going to be left and abandoned and... Well, that I don't have control. Yeah, and if you don't have control, what's going to happen to you? I'm going to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to consider you've already lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to find it. For the sake of time and for the audience at home, we're all screaming. (laughs) So I want you to consider both of you, the construct you're stuck in is the illusion that as it relates to your future, you're not going to be okay. Or your Mm -hmm. kids are not going to be okay. Something about Mm -hmm. it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. Just feel into that. So feel into the energy. It's not going to work out. What does that leave you feeling? If it's not going to be okay, it's not going to work out, how does that leave you feeling? Scared. Hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, fear. Anxiety. That's a lot of anxiety too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your brain has come up with mechanisms in your own world. Yours is the antithesis of what you had because you didn't feel okay in an environment where there was no structure. Mm -hmm. So your brain is like, okay, that's a horrible place to be. So what I'm going to do is create structure because that's the antidote to not feeling okay. No, no, it's not. That's you not feeling okay and now just adding structure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see? That's the crazy mm-hmm. part. Your yeah. kids can give a shit, you know? They're probably like, mum, relax, right? You know? <laughs> so it's about recognizing that the energy is still the same, right? Mm-hmm. Which is no judgment, mm-hmm. but it's, again, no different to you judging the person who's judging the bum. Do you mm-hmm. see? There's the opportunity to be like, wow, I'm doing the same thing that my parents were doing or what they weren't doing. When a father says, I'm going to be the most loving father because I never had that as a parent, what he's actually saying is I'm being like my parents, just the other side of the same coin. Yeah. Hmm. And when you really get it, it's just, it's well-intended, but you're still driving the same energy. Hmm. So for you, I get how much you love your kids, which is beautiful. Like I said, the intention is there, but the agenda is manipulative, right? Mm -hmm. Which doesn't make you bad. But it's like, wow, you love your kids. But what if love looked like it's okay? It's Hmm. okay. It's okay if we eat at five past six versus six, or, you know, God forbid, at 6.20. (laughs) It's okay. So Mm -hmm. we can see I'm not going to be okay creates anxiety, fear, being scared. And then, of course, behaviorally, you want to control everything. Mm -hmm. That's natural, right? Because you Mm -hmm. think it's not going to work out. Well, then, fuck, Mm -hmm. I better take care of it. Mm -hmm. But is it true? As a truth that you're not going to be okay? Yes or no? As a truth? No. Right. Now, feel into that. Feel into the absence of the concern that it's not going to work out. What, what, what becomes available for you? And this is new, right? You're sitting here mm-hmm. with me, hopefully stepping into a completely new relationship with yourself. So this might take a minute. But think into, if you didn't have to worry about what was going to happen or how things were going to work out, how would you feel? Just with me right now. Mercedes, you go first. I would feel a relief that I don't have to, you know, I have this mantra that I don't practice enough, but it's that the world is not going to fall apart if you don't stay busy, you know, if you let go once in a while. Okay, well, like not to make this too graphic, but let go, what does that imply with your vows? totally. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly my issue. Like this is like, yeah. So, but it's Mm -hmm. the energetic representation showing up in your body, right? Mm -hmm. So what you just described, the relief, relief, let go, relax. Literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is amazing, right? Isn't that beautiful? It's only because you have a dysfunctional relationship to your future, which is very human, where you're concerned things aren't going to go the way you want. So now you're trying to make sure they do, which is completely futile and is Mm -hmm. actually exacerbating the very fear that you're trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. Crazy making. 
You know, it's one of fucking people drink so much. Mm. <laughs> right? So amazing. So relief. So Jade, in the absence of concern for the way things are going to turn out, if there was no wrong, similar to my smoker story, mm-hmm. you could eat at six. You could eat, I could say, what? You're, you're feeding your kids at six? That's terrible. You should eat them at 5.30. And now you're like, oh, <laughs> shit, I've been doing it wrong. Well, there's a great ball pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So in the absence of thinking you had to have structure and things had to be a certain way, how would you feel? loose <laughs> and there's a feeling of like um that comes up of like irresponsibility but it still feels like like oh yeah, but it's impossible for you to be irresponsible you're so conditioned to try and be responsible it'd be mm-hmm. nice for you to be a little bit more loose right mm-hmm. yeah so what would that feel like for your kids that energy oh yeah they would feel a lot more uh Faithful. nurturing yeah, yeah nurturing and playful yeah which would be the healthier environment? The mum who's stressed and worried about a future, who's got structure, or the mum who's loose and it's like, it's okay, let's have some fun. Which is yeah. a healthier environment? The loose and fun. <laughs> and it's one yeah. of Jade's number one things she says is she wants to be seen by her children as playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even the wanting is implying that you're not. You're very playful. But the wanting is the trying, and that's the effort that actually mm-hmm. avoids you just being you, accepting you. Mm-hmm. Much deeper issues there, right? Mm-hmm. Like like self love and self acceptance. Yeah. Beautiful stuff, ladies. Who knew we were going to have an online session? Maybe. You <laughs> <laughs> we only could hope. Peter. Yeah. But can you feel that? Like, I really want yeah. you to get. Can you feel the relief and the ease about like just not worrying about how it all works out? That's not just yeah. don't be responsible mothers or mm-hmm. friends or you know daughters or wives or whatever. But it's not the worry about. Yeah. <sighs> we can all breathe and <laughs> this does this relate to a scarcity mindset peter i mean it's all interlinked yeah any kind of fear worry scarcity inadequacy mm-hmm. yeah. same sense of wanting control mm-hmm. and so when we step yes. towards abundance it's a, le- a loosening it's a relaxing yeah knowing mm-hmm. it's all going to work out yeah so you've asked the question who would you well you kind of asked this already um who would you be and what would you become available to in the absence of all your concerns? So why are there different emotional responses to that question though, when that comes up? How do you mean different emotional responses? um, When you have this in your work or when you, we've heard you on other podcasts and such um, talk about this, it seems that people will perceive that idea differently for according to, I guess, their circumstance. Do, why, do you have an insight on why that happens? Yeah, it just depends where they're at. Like, so you will get relief that will show up in a different way versus Jade's relief is maybe more playful. Yours might be more relaxed and I don't have to control things and look so perfect, right? Mm-hmm. So it just, it's revealing where you're constrained, right? So uh, wherever there isn't constraint, you're going to have your own. It's still relief, which is why I said freedom is my main product. I'm freeing mm-hmm. people from strengths of their mind how that manifests is like jade might be like super relaxed and tell the kids to freaking get their own dinner and i'm just chilling out <laughs> doing yoga i don't know what that looks like right and for you it might be i don't know <laughs> you know your version i don't know anything mm-hmm. about your personal mm-hmm. life so but it's going to manifest in a way that feels like the next evolution of your own expansion and mm-hmm. freedom so it just depends where people are at the homeless person you know if they discovered some sense of relief then their form of relief might be that, okay, 
I'm going to take better care of myself. I might mm-hmm. go to the ocean or wash once a day that he wasn't or she wasn't doing before. That might be an expanded version, you know, mm-hmm. versus just sitting there and taking drugs or I'm going to stop taking the drugs. You know, they're still on the street and they still don't have a job, but they're nudged in the right direction of mm-hmm. expanded version. Do you see? Mm-hmm. And this is why it's so important, I think, to be patient with people's progressions. Mm-hmm. It's not... It, it can be powerful. You know, I tend to work miracles sometimes and like women are getting pregnant who haven't been or yeah. people who had night terrors, you know, that have gone or an NBA guy who doubled his shooting average from the free throw mm-hmm. line. Like these are powerful stories. It can be powerful when you really get it. But compassion means that we let people have the time they need to go through their own process. Yeah. Um, so I know you said you've got to get going. We have a couple more questions. We can kind okay. of in, in like a lightning round uh, type okay. if, you, if you want to try. Okay. Yeah, let's fire far away. So, um, can you talk about how the language we choose to use deeply affects our resonance? Uh, yeah, because language is vibration. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be the quick answer, right? It's noise, it's sound. And mm-hmm. sound, we're vibrational beings in a vibrational universe. So our resonance is, uh, to me, so directly correlated with the way we speak, which is why I'm so passionate about language. People are incredibly loose and irresponsible, I would say, with the way they speak because they don't understand that their words are creating their reality. Mm-hmm. And okay. you mean using words like stressed out or something like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, that might be accurate, but it's like deeper than that. It's the deeper programming that hasn't even been stressed out. Stressed out is already symptomatic. It's too late. If you're feeling stressed, it's because you've got deeper programming that has you live in fear. Mm-hmm. Right, So that's why this work is so powerful, but it's also a little tricky because you've got to be able to know how to get down to the deeper codes, mm-hmm. creating the psychological and physiological outcomes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's symptomatic, you know, like yeah. that's why Western medicine knows, look, I don't want to get into these, these shit fight arguments, but Western medicine doesn't work. The people mm-hmm. in the system beautiful. They care. They want to make a difference, but the system only treats symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. That's not getting to the root cause of why someone has acid reflux. Giving someone Nexium or Prilosec has got nothing to do with health. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's got to do with selling drugs. Mm -hmm. That person, if they stop taking it, they have acid reflux again. Or if they have, you know, people take beta blockers for hypertension, as long as they keep taking them, they apparently don't have high blood pressure. But if Mm -hmm. they stop taking it, the blood pressure is back up again like nothing's actually resolved right yeah so that's a symptomatic approach which is what people are doing psychologically too Mm -hmm. no judgment but oftentimes it's a glass of wine at the end of the night to deal with stress but you haven't actually dealt with why do i get stressed right so it's it's almost as if we need to put a label on what's medicine and what's drugs you know what's the thing Mm -hmm. that's an escape Mm -hmm. or a mask and what's the thing that actually helps you move towards healing yeah and that's an every you know that's a right now part of my purpose and part of my passion is to educate people as to what it means to be healthy and it's Mm -hmm. got to look at the whole person mind body and spirit not like you're a machine you come in and your blood pressure is this numbers on a screen and i'm just gonna you know it's so robotic right Mm -hmm. number drug number drug you know it's like what's going on at home you know like for you girls have just given me great insight that would help me help you because Mm -hmm. Jade, you know, you're on the streets begging him when you're 15, you know, mm-hmm. and then Mercedes, you've got the story about your stepmom and your mm-hmm. stepsister. I didn't know that. How many doctors know that about you when you right. go in there and you've got hypertension? Right. They're like, no, you've got hypertension. You've got to take right. this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's right. going to take, take a minute right. to turn around <laughs> um, this trillion dollar business, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's, I hope, you know, because the people in it care, 
but the system does not right. have anything to do with health. Right. It's about so profit over people. Um, you didn't have Instagram until recently because you said the liking system wasn't healthy. I'm paraphrasing. Um, okay. And that it's an attention-based program. Um, you know, you pour your attention into it and you ask for attention back. Now that you yeah. have it, how do you navigate using it in a healthy way? Um, I think, you know, it's like, like anything, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So when I was not in the use of the social media platforms, I could only sit there and just make assumptions. So there was no judgment. I could get it. And there was still even at the time some people that I would check out their accounts because it was inspiring. So the way mm -hmm. I navigate it is I don't make it about me. I make it about content. I make it about things that people say they want to hear. Uh, and I just share what I feel will be contributing to people's lives and well-being. So, mm. you know, obviously there's a component. I'm an idiot. I play. I'm, a, you know, I'm a comedian at some level. So that gets integrated. Um, but similar to what I was saying to you earlier, I share. I'm not here to tell people how to live, live mm -hmm. their lives. So I'm less interested in how I come across and whether I get likes or comments or all of that. Like I feel very comfortable in my own skin and who I am. So that allows me to share without any kind of agenda. And if yeah. people like it, great. If they don't, then that's okay too. There's mm -hmm. millions of other people that can follow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a question from our magic mob. Lisa asks, you say that the first tool is awareness, but yeah. what are the tools for becoming more aware? Got to become aware of the fact that you're not aware. <laughs> oh, I'm such a clown. Uh, the tools for becoming aware are recognizing where you get triggered. So similar to the question earlier about yeah. kind of with this, right? So Beautiful. awareness is like recognizing what is it that is upsetting you in life and then investigate that. So that's why I said fear, mm. uh, suffering, frustration. Mm -hmm. These are all gifts for your own evolution. Yes. Do you have a, a non-negotiable daily practice? Mm. Uh, I pee most days. <laughs> Important. I eat, Detox. I yeah. Um, I like the expression non-negotiable. Um, no, I'm pretty consistent. I have a lot of freedom. You know, like I, I naturally have so much self-love because I, rever I sort of have a reverence for life and I'm part of life. So I take care of myself. So whether it be my workouts, the kind of food I eat, but also I'm going to enjoy myself. You know, mm -hmm. if I want to polish off a bag of salt and vinegar kettle chips because they're so good, I'm like, it's okay. You know, it's like mm -hmm. I go more by a 90, 10, 80, 20 rule. Like, you know, 90, 80% of my life is immaculate. And that allows mm -hmm. me to just have some fun and, you know, do the things that are apparently bad for you. You know, it's like, yeah. So as, I love that you just went through this, this whole deconstruction with Jade. And then she asks you, what is the non negotiable? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How long do you meditate every day? Yeah. And at what time? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be texting you to make sure you're doing it. <laughs> All no, right, I Peter. Mean, I, I'm consistent in my uh, self-care, you know, but what yeah. that looks like, like this morning I worked out and did infrared sauna. Tomorrow I might ride my bike and, you know, just jump in a cold bath. I, do I don't know. You, do you use intuition with that? Is it like an, you sit with yourself and say, what do you need today? Or what is the process? Yeah, a lot of that. And also like, I think, you know, some of the things that people are now starting to understand about the importance of sleep, right? Like, so where's mm. my body at? Like, you know, if I feel like I'm well rested, I ate well, I might just crush it in the gym. You know, if I'm not so well rested or maybe my sleep was a little disturbed or I've been busy, then maybe it's like a light yoga and stretching mm. or nothing, mm. you know, or maybe just sit in the hot tub and, you know, just meditate. So yes, definitely listening to where my body's at, um, honoring what it feels it needs. And, you know, that is an extension of self-love. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a personal inquiry just about how you did develop your ability to articulate and relay this information and be a beautiful bridge. Uh, gosh, I don't know if I can stake any claim to that. <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> asking uh, LeBron James, like, how did you get to the point where you could be such an incredible athlete, like, you know, six feet off the ground? Um, it's part of my makeup, right? Like if a, a, a really well-established um, astrologer were to look at my chart, they would say, I'm a teacher, I'm a communicator, I'm a guru, because I have Jupiter and Mercury in my first house, you know, if that means anything to anyone out there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's part of my fate. It's part of my destiny. It's just the nature of who I am. And for that reason, I feel very blessed that I get to mm-hmm. do this work in such a profound way that genuinely changes people at the deepest level and, and introduces them to a world of freedom. So Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the lucky beneficiary, shall we say. I do a lot of work and I've done, you know, tons of stuff to facilitate that or to enhance it. But, you know, it was uh, by the grace of God, shall we say. Yeah, Jade said before you got on that she feels like you almost channel when you speak. You know, you're yeah. channeling almost some other, whatever you want to call it, something out of right. the ethers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of, I guess you could say it that way. It's sort of, I'm out of my own way. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to impress. I'm not trying exactly. to beat someone. I'm just allowing, like, I love, as I said earlier, the realm of physics, right? Like, you know, I've been drinking some tea here while I've been talking to you ladies. The physics is that in 30 minutes, an hour, I'm going to probably have to go and evacuate my bladder, right? Because I've been <laughs> drinking, right? So I have a really what I call an immaculate relationship with reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that means is that I've become very astute at understanding how physics works. And so mm-hmm. if you live in a mindset of inadequacy, then the physics of your relationship to yourself is going to be in loathing and judgment, which means physiologically, you're going to be in a state of perhaps less self-care, less self-love, right? You see, it's, yeah. you can understand, it's like the matrix. I feel like Neo, you yeah. know, I just saw all the code. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So we ask these short questions at the end of every show. The first okay. one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I would just say, I got you. I love to leave you and I love you. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Mine. <laughs> Do you have I one? don't even have one yet. Yeah, <laughs> one why not? No, I, that, that's a funny response. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's, in, it's a work in progress. So for sure, I mean, come on, like who doesn't want freedom, right? Um, <laughs> it's out there, gosh. Um, I don't know because it's so different for everybody. You know, that's mm. a, I, I, I'm going to stick by what I said because I don't promote myself. So I'm saying read mine when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now you've got, got to develop patience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're writing it in quotes too, I heard you say. Yeah, right? that's the format that I write. It's quotes and then I expand them. So some of the quotes you use, like true happiness is yeah. the absence of happiness. And then I would unpack it and give people to, because some of them are self-explanatory. Some of them really need a little bit more yeah, I can't wait for it. Uh, okay. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Boo. <laughs> 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 um, you get goofy uh, around lunchtime. Would, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always goofy. Um, I would say I love you. Hmm. Okay, so before we let you go, where can people find you online? Uh, online, petercrone.com. Petercrone.com, uh, awesome. Yeah. And then on social okay. is... Um, Peter Crone official Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Do you both feel a little bit lighter, a little freer? Yeah, definitely. I feel it in my shoulder blades. Really? Uh, Yeah, that's a good place. 
that, that's a great indication of where a lot of people hold tension. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So a little more playfulness in uh, Jade's life and a little bit more poop in Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I need. He's covered by Peter, so it's a triple P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got poop, play, and playfulness with Pedro. Virtual <laughs> high five. I love yeah. it. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you you so much, Peter. Much love. (laughs) Bye. That was a lot to take crammed in. in. Yeah, (laughs) crammed into one episode. You guys with us? Do you have a like at the end there? We needed to like slow down the episode. I know, Um, but there was still like we had too much to ask. There was nothing to spare. No, and I felt (laughs) nothing to spare at all. And I felt like like. I felt like I was contradicting ourselves because I, we had, we already covered so much and I wanted to cover so much more, but I already, we had already let on to him that this is our life issue. (laughs) And then after we told him, we were like, we still have more to do. (laughs) We still have more to rush into this episode. (laughs) So we continue to do. Yeah, we're going to let go and we're going to just go with the flow of things and we're not going to be in control and stick to the outline and have the rest of the you helped us not uh you helped us not pile on too much now here's seven more questions (laughs) thank god peter is a blessed just uh patient person is what the word maybe he was trying to be like how he was saying lead by example maybe it's why he got so playful as he was like come on jade he's like you ain't seeing it you ain't (laughs) seeing clearly what we just discussed (laughs) Uh, all right so look our guests it's not you know, people ask, do you ever have divas on? No, we are the divas. <laughs> we really, we are well, we've had a few. asking we've a lot had, of we've our had guests. A few. But thank um, you to Peter and anyone else who's thinking of coming on our show. <laughs> we will do better to We're working on it. We're only we're 70 episodes in, all right? Look, this is where we're at on our journey. Don't judge us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> all right. My magic trick today. Yes. I got this from Peter. Mm-hmm. It's to just repeat, there's nothing wrong with me. So this is uh, in a recent, in, um, in an episode with Anahata, I um, said how I always apologize. So that's like when you're apologizing, you feel like there's something wrong with you all the time. So something I'm trying to practice is just repeating, there's nothing wrong with me. And Peter says that your ego doesn't actually want to be healed. It doesn't want to believe that there's nothing wrong with you, but it wants to be held. So, Mm. so if you were to think of your ego as a scared child Mm -hmm. and then show up for yourself the way you would a loved one or that scared little child with love and compassion, um, he says that we are beneficiaries of life, not victims of it. So tell yourself there's nothing wrong with me the way that you would that scared little child. Uh, So Mm. treat your ego um, you know, like, like your scared like, little child. Right. Yeah. Oh, sounds, I love it. Sounds so, so simple because it's a short magic trick, but it's, if you sit with it, it, it can be, it feels a little complex at the same time, but what's your magic trick? I think it's super complex. And I wanted to just add to that, that sometimes I notice whenever I, I accept a new mantra, like there's nothing wrong with me, for instance, as one, I like to also tweak it to be, it, depending on how you're hearing it, you know, your mm-hmm. perspective and your lens, like Peter was talking about, it might serve better to even adjust it to only positive words. 
So for me, sometimes when it says there's nothing wrong with me, I get focused on, is there something wrong with me? Because I'm saying the words nothing and wrong, like those are negatives in a sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's I, hard to not use negatives. It's so hard, especially if that's yeah. your connotation, which is mine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm actively trying to adjust it to something that would only allow positive thoughts yeah. to trail behind it. So yeah. just an invitation if that feels yeah. resonant for you to mm-hmm. do that. And I don't know exactly what I would change that to, but maybe it would be like, instead of there's nothing wrong with me, it would be, I am okay as is. Yes. Or you are a mirac, you know, you are a miracle am, or whatever. You yeah. are special, whatever you need to hear really. And your, your ego needs to hear your inner child right. needs to hear. But yeah. I think it's really a beautiful uh, magic trick. Thank you. What's yours? So mine is to get on your indoor plant game. So something we all know is that plants give off oxygen and absorb carbon dioxide. But what you might not know is that they also absorb toxins like benzene and formaldehyde. And additionally, they help to filter microbes out of the air. And research has actually shown that plant-filled rooms have 50 to 60% less airborne airborne microbes, including mold spores and bacteria. So just thinking about the situation we're in right now, how that can be good for us. So having indoor plants also helps to increase humidity inside your space. And research from the University of Norway shows that it actually decreases things like dry skin, dry cough, and cold and flu. And another great thing about plants is that they are medicine, as you may know by listening to the show and how Jade speaks on them a lot. Therefore, they are healing. And a study from Kansas State University showed that patients with indoor plants had better blood pressure, lower incidence of pain, less anxiety, and better healing time. And if that wasn't enough, indoor plants also improve your work environment by bringing that peaceful serenity that's found when we're out in nature into the home or into your workspace. Therefore, you're able to be more productive. And there's also um, been shown to actually improve memory and improve concentration uh, when you have indoor plants around you in a workspace. And there's a study from the University of Michigan that found that having indoor plants increases your memory retention by up to 20%. So with all those facts stated, my favorite indoor plants are those that release the most oxygen, especially because of the time we're going through mm-hmm. right now. So, um, you know, we're all stuck indoors a lot. So that's something we need to focus on. So my favorite indoor plants are the snake plant, peace lily, those. Those are and my favorite. erica palm, mm. which is spelled A-R-E-C-A, erica palm, and the money plants. Yeah, or money and, tree. Mm-hmm. Or money tree. Um, and typically having about three to six of any of these plants or a mixture of them per person in your household or workspace is what's Oh, per person. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> gotta have a jungle okay. in there. <laughs> because I've recently been um, pretty much grounded from getting plants. Um because when I went to stay with my boyfriend, he was like, you come with your own forest? Yeah. <laughs> and like, then, yes. And then um, I told you the story, woman. but I lined his bathtub window with plants yeah. and I told him to go take a bath one time when he was having a rough day. One of them fell on him. A cactus. And he said, I went from Mary Poppins to Batman. I was like, how was your bath? And you said a plant fell. And I said, which one? <laughs> he said a cactus fell on me. And she didn't concerned at all, not concerned of his bodily you know, injuries at all, but just what ran upstairs, dirt all in the bathtub. <laughs> I am a plant mom for sure. Yeah. So, so I like this rule. Three yeah, to six have- per person. That's 30 plants minimum in my home. Imagine, imagine it now. 
it'll be a full a weed whack when I walk through the door just to get in. <laughs> Are you guys in here? It's like Jumanji in there. Um, yeah. So three to six per person uh, is what's recommended to get the ample oxygen out of them. So that's amazing. gardening, guys. I hope you guys find this valuable and use it to increase the quality of your air, which I need to get on. I will myself. use it. All right, Magic Mobbers, thank you so much for tuning in and taking this journey with us. If this episode held some magic for you, please share it with your friends and family. This would mean so much to us. And don't forget to join us on our Instagram page at The Magic Hour and let us know what your favorite episodes have been so far. We appreciate all of your feedback and we want to know what's lighting you up. Yes, we do. And we release a new episode every Monday. So you can catch us again next week or go listen to some of our past episodes in our podcast library now. We'll meet you there. Until then, be light. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys. You know. You know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves.